So I have a confession to make, and that is that sometimes between the first and second services, I'm miserable. Sometimes I'm like, that didn't go the way I was wanting it to, or, oh, I forgot to say this or that. So you can feel my woe. So if, if anyone was here and they were looking for me between the two services, I was hiding. Okay. So um, I always find out too later that my assessment of things are very different than God's and what people are doing. So sometimes I just feel like I just, I just need to go be alone a little bit before I come back and preach again. I feel like I've spent, I'm spent, I've given out, and then I'm overthinking everything. So I want to come to this passage, and uh, I want to pray as I begin that God would take this and, and use this chapter in a way that would impact your lives. So Father, we just thank you for the Bible. It is thick. It is so full of amazing encounters and stories. And it is designed, all of it is designed to point to Jesus. And that's precisely what we want to do today. And it's also designed, it was, it was given with the intent of awakening hunger and thirst in the lives of sinners, and that would be us, God. So I pray today that your word... And your love and your message and your power would impact every single person sitting here. Oh, Father, you, you are so great and you write such a great story. And the Bible is just one long story with many, many different um, stops along the way. So we just pray, God, today we're stopping in 1 Samuel 3 before there were kings in Israel and after the time of the, the judges, and we're just here today and asking that you would bring us into this story and then bring us back out of it so that we understand how it relates to the kingdom of God, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the future return of Christ and his glory. We want to be part of this great story, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to go back and just walk through what um, Matthew and Matt and Faith just read for us. And so I want to begin by giving a little bit of a context and so, so that we understand at the beginning. So we have a period of history in the Bible. The Bible is like one long story. And the nation of Israel came together. And for the first stretch, first little stretch, they didn't have any kings. They were basically ruled by judges. And so you have Moses who was a prophet. And then you have Joshua who was a prophet judge. And then you have this, the ones that were more known as just the period of the judges. And there was a problem during this period. And is, is that they really had a hard time being faithful to God. They were all over the map. Maybe a moment they would be faithful to God and then they would decline. And then they, would, they just kept going farther and farther and deeper and deeper away from the mission God had called them to. And fewer and fewer of them were faithful. And they were, there were some faithful along the way, but the vast majority of them were um, really not walking closely with God. Now, here's the problem. They needed, they needed leadership. 
And Moses was a great leader, but he was insufficient. Joshua was a great leader, but he was not a good enough leader. And then they had some pretty impressive leaders among the judges, Gideon, Jephthah, um, Samson, Barak, um, but none of them were good enough. And the question throughout the whole Old Testament is, is there anybody out there? Is there any leader capable of leading us to salvation and victory? Is there anyone that can help us safely arrive through this world, navigate this world, and end up in the true promised land, heaven? And the answer over and over was, no, not that guy. Next guy comes up, not that guy. Next person comes up, no, they're, they're not capable. They're not um, strong enough or godly enough or faithful enough. But along the way, there was this idea that there would be someone. And the Old Testament identified that someone as the Messiah. But until we get to the Messiah, we're going to come to these repeated failures. And some good guys who did pretty good, most of them weren't very good at all. But one thing that was going to happen was, in part of God's plan, from the fall, the first sin, Adam and Eve, to Jesus and the cross. The cross was the first huge marker. Everything was moving toward the cross in the Old Testament. And about, mm, I don't know, maybe halfway along the story, somewhere along here, following Moses in that period, after the judges, God had appointed that he was going to set up a king. And there was a lot of kings, but the most important king to begin with was King David. And so... Samuel comes along, and he's like a transitional leader. And we meet him when he's just a boy in our story. He's just a boy. But I just want you to see what a role, important role he played before I go back to the story. He's going to be the leader that God chose to be a great prophet but he's also going to be the last judge. There was a series of judges. So Samuel's a prophet of God and the last judge. And he's the judge that God is going to use to set up Jerusalem, the city of God, and the throne at Jerusalem where King David would, would come and then eventually King Jesus. So you kind of just see we're like about halfway here between the fall and the cross. We're like we're getting ready to make a transition to having a king in God's story. So it was a, now to our story. The boy Samuel. Now that's pretty important because when you read about what God's doing in him, I just kind of want to stop here before we get very far. He was just a boy was so young and God was so ready to use him and God 
can begin to work in the lives of children. Young boys and girls, God is already has plans and it's beginning to work. And maybe some of you, maybe there are people in this room and your story started early. And I just want to remind you, don't underestimate what God can do. And this is why it's so important. Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. So he was basically at the tabernacle serving God early in his life. And I just want to encourage you parents, get your kids here involved. Um, get them involved. Let them know what it is early to hear about God and learn about the ways of God and serve God. Man, what an advantage you're giving them in life. They desperately need it. No one else is going to do this for them. No other organization is committed to this like we are. So I just want to encourage you. Praise God that you bring them and really think about that. Think about this story. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. He was involved and already learning to be sensitive to the things of God. And he was in the presence of Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. When it says the word of the Lord was rare, it just means um, people weren't very interested in God. You feel like that could be our day a little bit? You feel like most people just aren't interested in God? It feels... Like we need God to raise up people in our day like God was going to raise up Samuel. And it says there was no frequent vision. And that visions were often, they didn't really, they didn't have a Bible like you and I have. Um, they didn't have access to this rich, thick book that we love. And God often spoke at a given time to people who were prophets and they might have a vision of God. And a vision was a message directly from God and then that vision was shared and it became prophetic or um, declarative. And so someone would have a vision. And we read about some of the visions in the Bible. And people had visions like Joshua had some visions of God. Moses had not only visions, but he had direct encounters with God. And the prophets would write down their message. But it was a time when it just didn't feel like God was saying much. At that time, Eli, he was the priest of God, and he was old, and the Bible says at another point that he was severely overweight, he was old, didn't get around very well, he was losing his eyesight. Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God was not yet gone out. In other words, he was in the tabernacle. The lamp of God refers to the um, light in the tabernacle. It was still burning. Samuel, the boy Samuel, was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Samuel had a bed probably in the outer tent area court of the temple. And he would sleep there along with his father, basically adopted Eli basically adopted him. He wasn't his real father, but he was like a spiritual father to him. And so he was in the temple, and then he had this experience, this amazing encounter with God. Four times God's going to speak to him. Three times he didn't understand what was happening. The Lord said to Samuel, here I am. So Samuel ran to Eli. Little Samuel is asleep. And the God of the universe calls out to him audibly. With audible words, Samuel 
heard in his ears the voice of God. And it sounded like a person because Samuel goes and wakes up Eli and says, he thinks it's Eli or someone and says, here I am, what, what did you want? But he had no idea that it was God speaking to him. So he goes back to bed and it happens again. Verse 6, the Lord called out Samuel and he arose and went to Eli and says, here I am, you, you called me. And Eli says, no, I, no, I didn't. And it says in verse 7, Samuel, the boy Samuel, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he already had a heart for God, but he didn't really understand God and didn't really know God in the way that he was getting ready to. He had interest in God. It's very obvious that he was very interested in what he had learned about religion and his faith in God. And then the third time he comes to him, here I am for you called. And Eli said, finally Eli figured out what was going on. It's like, oh, wow, Samuel, God's calling you. It's a voice of God. So you go back to your bed, and if you hear that voice again, don't come look for me. You need to tell God, Lord, I'm listening. I'm very, I'm open, I'm here. Speak to me, Lord. And that's exactly what Samuel did. The Lord Verse 10, the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. But before I go any farther, have, have, you, have you done this? Have you had this experience? Has God been calling you in your life and you didn't recognize that it was God? And he's been using different things and different events and maybe sermons, messages, maybe a song you heard on the radio, maybe you overheard two friends talking, maybe someone came up and you shared, maybe you remember something from your past, maybe you heard a scripture verse way out of context in a movie, or somehow you've had some experiences and encounters with God and you're not quite sure how to piece it together and you're like, sure, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure why or an event happened to your life and you feel like God is giving you a wake-up call and it's like, I feel like something's going on and something's in my heart, but I don't quite yet know how to sort through. Maybe it's God, maybe it's not. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's my religious upbringing and I'm just, I tend to think that way or, or something's happening. And, and maybe, maybe some of you here remember that moment when you knew it was different. It was God. And you respond and you finally said, here I am, Lord. I'm listening. I receive your call upon my life. How many times have some of you been called by God and you didn't quite, either you weren't interested, it's like, nah, not interested in that. I want to do my thing. Or you just simply didn't understand what was taking place. And then God kept pursuing, kept pursuing, kept pursuing. And can, can I just warn you not to get too comfortable with God pursuing? Because it could be, you never know when might be the last time that he calls and comes. It's like, well, you're not interested. I'm moving on to someone who is. So I just want to encourage you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, Samuel had four shots. I'm only down to strike two. In this game, he got three strikes. It's a weird baseball game here. But it's like, well, maybe God's only, this is the first summons and I'm going to get many more. Please don't play that game. 
please don't play that game. If God, if you feel like God is speaking your heart and you're open right now, then I would say, seal the deal today. <laughs> Come to the Lord right now, right here, and say, Lord God, I'm not going to play this game because I don't know. Is this, I don't know, maybe you've already been speaking to me and I don't want to play games with my soul. And Samuel, all he said at this point was, Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. That's what I would ask of you today, is to ask, open your heart and just say, Lord, speak into my life. I'm ready. I'm not asking you to believe something you don't believe. I'm not asking you to make a decision on something that makes no sense to me, to you. I'm simply saying right now, the first step that some of you may need to make today is just to simply say, Lord, speak. I'm listening. I need more information. Will you please come to me and speak? I open my heart up to you. And that would be the first step of what I would call beginning to become a genuine seeker of God. Okay? So, then the fourth time he listens and he says, I'm going to do something that will freak everybody out. I'm going to take down the house of Eli. Well, the house of Eli, Eli was the priest and his two sons were priests. And they were, Eli had not been very faithful to the priest because his, one of his great responsibilities was to oversee the work of the house of God. And he had not been responsible. He had let, allowed his sons to be blasphemous in the house of God. He had allowed his sons to bring corruption into the worship of God, and he didn't do anything. So he had been a very unfaithful steward of his responsibility, and his sons were absolutely wicked. They would lie with prostitutes right in front of the tabernacle. They were so arrogant in their defiance of God. They would take the sacrifices of God, given to God for the work of God, and they would take and use the offerings and the sacrifices for dinner. And they would rob God. And so you can see that they were corrupt and wicked. And God tells this boy. He, gives the, he doesn't give the information to the priest. He doesn't give the information to a grown man. He doesn't give the information to a current spiritual leader. He entrusts the information about what he's fixing to do with his kingdom to a boy named Samuel. And he says, Samuel, I'm about to completely eliminate the house of Eli, the spiritual leaders of Israel. And so Eli, uh, Samuel rather, is very nervous. And he says, how am I going to tell Eli this terrible news? He says in verse 13, I declare to him I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. And then the next morning, Samuel, it says he lay until morning. He lay. It doesn't say he slept. I think he was awake all night wondering, oh, my word, do I, need to, do I have to tell Samuel this? Do I have to tell Eli this information? I'm terrified. He's like my spiritual mentor. He's the high priest. Um, he's God's instrument. How, why, Lord, did you give me this information and responsibility? And it says Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He says, what is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me because he knew he wanted to. Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you 
and more also if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing back from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And so this boy has been called to be a prophet of God. And his first prophecy is to tell his adopted father that God's going to wipe out his his um, family and he's faithful to do it and then we go on to read Samuel grew and the Lord was with him let none of his words fall to the ground and Israel from Dan to Beersheba like that's the whole stretch from the north to the south everyone heard that Samuel was a great prophet of God and um, it says they knew that Samuel was established as a prophet and the Lord appeared to him again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So, four times he spoke and the fourth time he heard. I want to give you a few parallels that remind me when I read it, this story, it reminds me of Jesus and the story of Jesus. And sometimes the Bible is full of things that we would call um, foreshadowing. You have something and it foreshadows something more important. You have a story, and it's really um, an introduction to a bigger story. It's like Joshua and his leadership reminds us of Jesus and his leadership. Moses as a prophet reminds us of Jesus, the greater prophet. And the story of Samuel has some similarities to the story of Jesus. And one of the things was that um, Samuel came into the world through a miraculous birth. And Jesus came into the world through a miraculous birth. Samuel's mother couldn't get pregnant. Her name was Hannah. And she so wanted to have a child, and she never could. And she was also part of a, a bad marriage. She was in a polygamous marriage where his, her husband had another wife, and that wife had babies. And, and Samuel, she felt forsaken by God, and so she wept and cried so much to God and prayed all the time to have a baby. So Samuel was a miracle baby. Jesus was a miracle baby. A divine act of God got Hannah pregnant. A divine act of God got um, Mary pregnant. There's one parallel. Um, both of them had an unusual priestly connection. Like um, Samuel wasn't really of the priestly line. But he wasn't supposed to be brought up, connected to the tabernacle of God. But when Hannah had the child, she dedicated her baby to God and was willing to offer her child to God. It's like, I offer my son to you, God, and may he grow up to serve you. And so she offered her child to God, and he grew up being familiar with the things of God in the tabernacle. And in the Jesus story, God the Father offered his son. He offered his son to be, to serve the Jesus story. He offered Jesus to be our Savior and to fulfill and to advance the redemptive purposes of God. Um, obviously, Samuel had some boyhood experiences at the temple because he grew up at the temple. So he was familiar with the temple and he had many experiences including this experience and you remember when Jesus was a boy he went to the temple when he was about 12 and he had a real powerful experience at the temple where he was it became obvious that this boy Jesus was called of God and the temple leaders were impressed with how much Jesus knew and understood about the things of God 
Um, both of them made, revealed an unusual commitment to God. Samuel was there and very willing to hear God, and Jesus went, and he was very engaged with the teachers. He was te- sitting, standing around, sitting around talking to the adults at the temple, like the experts, and he was just like in an adult-like conversation. He had such a tender heart toward God. And then both of them were called by God to prophetic ministry. And so I want to um, try to apply this a little bit for you. And the first thing I want to remind you is um, God often finds great willingness in young hearts. Sometimes the people are so young and ready to give their heart, they just, they don't know a lot, they're young, they haven't experienced the things older people have, but already early in their lives. And I wonder if that reflects any of you. I was, I had just turned 15 when God got hold of me. It was the greatest day of my life. It's the most important day of my life. I wandered, I wandered for 14 years, for those 14, 15 years. I didn't know why I was here. I had some experience with God, but I didn't understand what it was about. When I turned 15, I had an encounter with God, and it changed everything. It was the greatest day of my life. It was a great day of my life when I met my wife, and the day that I asked her to marry her, and she said yes, and we got married. That was a great day. Those were great days. But the greatest day of my life was the day that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's the greatest day of my life. And I opened my heart and I said, yes, Lord, your servant listens. It was the day that I surrendered my life to God. And it was the biggest moment, the most special. And I don't know if you've had a day like that, but can I say it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. The greatest day of your life is the day that you have an encounter with Jesus and where you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to do with my life? I invite you into my life. I, I respond. When I responded to God, I had many opportunities to respond to God earlier, but I didn't. I, I went to church when I was young. We quit to going to church after my parents got divorced, and then we started going again some, but I wasn't interested in God. I had many opportunities. I, I knew things about God. I'd heard about God. I, I had a Bible. I sometimes read my Bible. I had people read me the Bible. I had a grandmother that prayed for my soul and my salvation. My grandmother would read me the Bible, and she was so concerned about my soul, and I knew that about that grandmother. I knew that she wanted me to be right with God, but I wasn't interested. I was interested in having fun and being with my friends and sorting out life my own way, and then I had a divine encounter with God. It was the greatest moment, and it's when I basically said in my heart, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. I, I'm listening. Finally, was ready to listen. And I want to know, are you, have you ever, has it ever been that clear to you? You like being around religion. You've heard some religion. That is not enough. It is not enough that you know some stuff about God. That is not the same thing as having an encounter with God. When you said to God straight up, I'm yours. I serve you. You have the information, the content of the cross. You know all about Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. You know that. Some of you have heard that in your mother's belly. Some of you were 
where your mom was pregnant with you going to church. And so there isn't a day in your existence when there wasn't some knowledge of God was in the arena of your life. But all your life, you basically found a way to navigate around because there was something inside of you. It's called the human will. Your will was at war with the will of God because you're like, I want to drive this ship. I want to drive the bus. I want to drive. I'm steering my life. And have you had that moment where you called upon God and say, Lord God, I'm tired of driving. I'm moving out of the way. I surrender to you. Yes, Lord, speak into my life now. And you weren't just saying, show me some good stuff and I'll choose if I'm going to call. You're saying, like Samuel was saying, I surrender to your will. And he called out to God that day and he accepted, he accepted God. So I just want to ask you if... If you've done that yet, and also I just want to remind you, parents, I would really encourage you to take every opportunity to put your children in the pathway of hearing the Word of God and being challenged to pursue God. I'm going to tell you, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming down, I'm not, this isn't my aim to come down on people. I just, want to be, I just want to be straight up with you. If some of you invested a fraction into your children, spiritual things, what you invest to other areas of their life. If some of you invested a fraction of your attention to putting them in position to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would make a profound difference. So I'm just saying, Eli didn't take care of his boys. And they paid a high price. And so I'm just challenged. You have enough challenges bringing them up to love God, even if they're in regularly hearing the Word of God. But it's on you, Mom and Dad. This is on you that God says, put your sons and daughters where they can hear me. So I'm just going to encourage you, love you. just want you to think deeply about, am I, am I doing that? Okay. Secondly, I want to say God speaks and He never stops speaking. He speaks all the time. He speaks everywhere. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth His handiwork. There is no place where His voice is not heard. That's what Psalm 19 says. So God speaks all the time and then He speaks specifically through His Word. But here's what I want you to do. God is always speaking and once your heart becomes open to the voice of God and you begin looking and seeing God in so many different ways, and hearing God in so many different events in your life that you begin to go, what a wonder God has been communicating with me so profoundly so many times in so many ways. I can't believe that I have not even seen it. But once God opens your, your eyes and your heart, once the Holy Spirit begins to work inside your life, you begin to see God in so many different ways, in so many places, so many circumstances, so many encounters, so many meetings, so many books. You see Him in the oddest place and you go, what in the heck? is God doing here? And I'll tell you what he's doing. He's speaking. He's pursuing you. And he's running after you. And I just want to share. I want to encourage you to stop. Look. Listen. Speak. You need to slow down sometimes and ask yourself, what does God have to do with this? You find yourself in a mess. Instead of saying, God has abandoned me, you need to learn to say, why am I here? And what is God saying to me? Stop misreading God's divine appointments. 
Stop thinking, well, God's so far from me. This terrible thing has happened in my life. Therefore, I cannot believe in God. It ever occur to you that a terrible thing happened in your life because you're not listening to God? Did it ever occur to you, it might be that that's the very thing that brings you, it's the very instrument God wants to use to bring you to Himself. God will do, go to extreme measures to pursue us. Can, can I, I just want to share some of the ways in which God has done this in my life. And I, it's going to echo and sound a lot like some of the things that you've experienced. I remember, I remember as a child, I can go back and look at my life and think when I was a child in church. And, and I just remember as a child just thinking, God's important. I think that's about all I got. But I go back and I, that message was coming through. And I remember, I remember swinging on a swing set in my yard. I remember swinging in a swing set in my yard. We had a place in our yard. We lived on the lake, and there was a place in our yard where we had a swing set. And the hill went down, and I could look out over the lake. And I remember looking out over the lake and, and seeing. It was a, I remember a beautiful day. I remember the tree beside the swing set. I remember swinging. I remember going back and forth. And I would swing up, and I would see the beautiful sky. And as my feet come down, I see the lake. And I remember in my mind thinking, I, don't, I didn't have the theology. I didn't have any theology. All I knew in my heart was the, the world that God created was absolutely beautiful and magnificent. And there was no conflict in my little mind between the wonderful creation of God and God the Creator. It's like I just knew the simplicity of my theology was, is this is my Father's world. And it just fit. I didn't have this like, oh, when I get older, I'm going to figure out that there's no relationship between God and science and God and nature. Like, there was no conflict in my little brain. It fit. It was like, this is a perfect fit to explain the universe to me. And then I remember in eighth grade, I remember my eighth grade was my first experience with an atheist science teacher. And I remember... I remember it was my first person that I came across that was expounding and, and declaring that there was no God and that science had answered all the questions. And I remember feeling inside that I wanted to vomit. I kind of thought, I don't know. I wasn't even a Christian. I just remember that's awful. That's, if, if, could that be true? Is that true? And I had no ability to respond. I wouldn't have responded anyway because I wasn't a Christian. I just remember thinking, what is a world like without God? It never, I'd never thought that there couldn't be a God. And my science teacher, Mr. Bradley, was convinced there were not. And he was very aggressive and antagonistic toward his view and espousing his view. And I remember it left this awful feeling in my heart. So even as a middle schooler who didn't know God, the idea that there was no God was like, totally despair it's like what's the point and then I had an encounter with God out in the middle of Lake Lanier Island a little on the Lake Lanier on a little island probably oh I don't know the island honestly probably wasn't much bigger than this gym it was just a bunch of trees and we pull our boats up and we camp out and and I was 14 and I was chugging beers and got sick drunk and started throwing up. What a strange way to have an encounter with God. 
And I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. But suddenly, I made a parallel between my sick stomach and my sick heart. And suddenly, I felt like my heart is full of vomit, and I don't know how to get it out. I felt the dark, I felt like there was a parallel with what I was feeling physically and where I was spiritually. I was 14 years old, and I began to cry out to God, and it took a month. It took a month. I I know the exact dates because it was July 4th of the year that I became a Christian on August 7th, and I became a Christian on August 7th on the day that my grandmother died in a car wreck in which I was driving. And so for four weeks, God, the hound of heaven, as they say, the hound of heaven was after me. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew something was stirring in my soul so deeply that I couldn't escape it. And God was beginning to work, and I was having an encounter with God, and this was my this was my fourth time, if you, if you think of what was going on with Samuel. This was time four. This was the time when, during this car wreck, I called out to God and said, Lord God, I'm, I'm listening. You have my attention now. For, it took, for four weeks, I was miserable, but I didn't understand what was going on. And it's when God summoned me. And he said, give me your life. And I said, yes, Lord, your servant listens. And I gave my life to Jesus. And I've had, I've had other wonderful encounters with God. Uh, can I tell you about encounters? I'm sure some of you have had some like this. One of my favorite regular, every time we go on vacation, it seems like I have encounters with God. One way I have encounters with God is I put headphones on my, in my ears and I put on my running shoes and I just start running down the beach. And while I'm running down the beach, I'm watching masses of people. So I'm thinking about the mass of humanity. And I'm thinking about, man, Lord, I bet, I bet 95% of the people I'm running past are so lost, they don't know you. So I feel the weight of the lostness of this crowd of people. But I'm looking out over this beautiful, beautiful ocean. And then I put in my headphones. And in my headphones, sometimes I listen to music. And it just, oh, it just sends me like rockets off when I'm just praising God. And then sometimes I'll listen. And this particular time, this last summer, when I was running down the beach, I put the Psalms. And so I'm listening to the Psalms when I'm running down the beach. And my heart is just connecting with God. And I'm like wanting to weep. And I'm running. And I stop. I just have to stop. And I sit on one of those little um, steps that go up over the um, whatchamajigger thing. (laughs) What's it called? Yeah, the dunes, thank you. Goes up over the dunes. And I'm having, I'm having a moment with God as I'm just out there in this beautiful beach. And I've had moments with God in the mountains, by the rivers, by the lakes. Sometimes I've had moments with God and I'm out on my back porch and I'm just sitting there. I don't have a Bible in my hand. I'm just sitting there and I'm tired. Maybe I've done something. And just in the quiet and the peace, God begins to speak into my heart. And he says, love me. Love me. And I'm saying, Lord, I do love you. I'm not worthy of it, but I love you. And sometimes I'll have, I go through all kinds of experiences. I, I, I got to go and walk up what some people think might have been Mount Sinai. And I'm, I'm up there and I'm up on top of this gigantic mountain. And I'm looking out and I go, whoa, Moses was here or either real close to here. And I'm looking out over the work of God. And I'm like, Lord God, my Bible just feels so real right now. 
you feel so real to me right now. I am in awe and wonder that there was a time when a man named Moses stood up there over, standing up over a million people looking down as a representative of God and you gave him the, the Ten Commandments and you wrote it on a rock. And I'm just having this moment with God. It's like, Lord God, thank you. I've had moments with God out by... Uh, I've had moments with God when I've been on retreats and I've been on a retreat and then it's like Saturday nights is like always the, the highlight. It's the moment where it kind of finally got all the weeds of the life out of my brain and my mind and I'm on this retreat and I'm on this retreat to seek God and finally it takes a day or two and I just get all the clutter out of my brain and my mind. I've been disconnected from my phone and all this barrage of useless, often useless information and I'm able to focus on the true and living God and somewhere about Saturday night, finally, finally, I find my heart is in the disposition. I'm finally ready to hear from God. And I'm at some place, I'm at some retreat, I'm by a lake or by a waterfall, or I'm just sitting in a cabin, or I'm by a beautiful fire. And I'm just, I'm, I just feel suddenly my heart just runs toward God and resonates. I've had moments with God when I've been on mission trips, and it's just like, I'm just there in the quiet of the night, and I can't sleep because it's boiling hot or, or, you know, there's pigs outside squealing and I'm trying to sleep or whatever and I'm just out somewhere and I'm not sleeping well. I'm very uncomfortable. My bed is sticks with hay on it or something and just like just crying out to God and God begins to speak and, he's, and he just begins. I, I've had moments in God when I'm watching movies. I, 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 can you believe I've had a moment with God when I'm watching Braveheart? And I'm like going, Lord, I want to have the Braveheart. I want to be courageous. I want to be willing to lay my life down for you. I've watched war movies and I go, Lord, that's, that's, the spiritual, that's the picture of spiritual warfare. Warfare's like that. It's real. It's not a game. People die in spiritual warfare and there's real enemies. There's a real enemy and, and the people are dying and there's casualties and people are, are just as much blown up in real world because they won't serve God as they are on a battlefield. It's that serious. And sometimes I'm watching battlefields in movies and it pictures my desire to know God and helps me understand that this is real. This is real. This is all real. Oh, I don't know. I, I, the, the whole point of what I'm trying to do today is I'm, I'm just, are you listening God is speaking into your life. No matter what you're going through, He's speaking. If you have ears to hear, you'll be amazed what He's saying to you right now. Are you listening? There are people come into your life. Why? Things happen in your life. Why? Because God is pursuing you. Um... Let me tell you what you said. I don't know if you remember it, but let me tell you what you said today. Let me remind you of what you said came out of your mouth. I heard you. Chase me down. Fight till I'm found. Leave the 99. Come after me. That's what you said. I heard you. You said, God, chase me down. Some of you raised your hands. 
Some of you sang with all your mind and heart. And I want to say, if you meant it, then hold on and get ready for the ride. Because God so wants to speak into your life. But He will not speak into your life until you get the cotton out of your ears. First thing He says, will you let me speak into your life? And He says, then let's start with your sin and let's you and me hold hands and let's go to the cross. And that's what Jesus is saying to you right now. Chase me down. Fight till I'm found. And look to Jesus right now in your heart and say, Lord, I just need more of you. I haven't been hearing you much in your life. You've been all around me. You've been working. You've been doing things. You've been bringing people my way. You've been, I've been hearing things on songs. I read books. I see things. And I haven't been listening to any of it because I've had cotton in my ears and I've had sin in my heart. I need to get that stuff out. It's like, like when I got sick and I was drunk, my, I, I vomited. But when I became a when I was on the way to becoming a Christian, I had all this stuff packed up in there and I didn't feel right. I didn't feel clean and I had to get it out. And Jesus is saying, come to the cross and get it out. Call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. Okay? And some of you may be Christians and you may be saved, but you've let some junk build up in there and you just need a good old vomit. You just need to say, sin be gone, I'm coming, and I'm going to lay it down at the cross of Jesus as we sing. Will you do that? Will you call upon the Lord? Will you call out to the Lord and say, Lord God, I want to hear you in all the ways that you're speaking to my life. I want to meet with you when I'm walking down the beach, when I'm reading a good book, when I'm sitting by a fire, when I'm watching a movie. I want to be attuned to the voice of God speaking and giving me direction. I want to come to church and I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit and I want to place myself in a place where you are speaking. And then I want to be able to respond by saying, Speak, Lord, your servant listens. You with me? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you do speak. Thank you for the story of Samuel. We want to be like him. We want to have ready hearts. I pray right now, God, that maybe you've been speaking to someone and they've just been nervous, afraid, or distracted. Maybe there's someone here, God, you're just ready to speak into their life right here, right now. Please don't. Please don't hold back anymore. Lord, we want to surrender and we want to serve you. I pray whatever you're doing in people's hearts right now as we sing this song, God, may we just listen for you, serve you, and join you in your work. In Jesus' name, amen.